welcome back, ghosts, ghouls, and things that go bump in the night. I'm really excited for this episode. We finally got another update from John. Now, if you guys remember John's story from a couple months ago, his girlfriend Steph was taken by a monster known only as Mr. Polo Shirt. John has since enlisted James for assistance, and that's where we're picking up this story. So, sit back, relax, and tune in for the next part of Map Crunch. The temptation to touch the wallet was palpable. Had it not been for James' warning, I would have already picked it up. Even through his warning, I still felt the urge to touch it. It's drawing me to it even now as I type this. Things have been crazy the last few days, but I wanted to update you as much as I can. James arrived two hours after the phone call. I don't remember doing anything but staring at the wallet until the sound of gravel crunching in the driveway broke my trance. I walked to and stood in the threshold of the door, watching the man get out of his old SUV. It took him a moment to gather his various notebooks and hat before he finally stepped out of the car. "'Geez, John, you look like hell,' he said, looking at me from the driveway. His eyes matched what he sounded like. Thin black and white stubble, sharp jaw, a few facial scars, cold blue eyes, salt and pepper hair held back by a ball cap. If you'd put James in a lineup and told me to point out the private eye, I'm confident anyone's finger would fall on him. But I understand. Can we talk inside? I nodded and walked in and sat at the kitchen table. He followed me, closing the door. He set his stuff on the other side of the table and then looked to the fridge. You got anything to drink? He asked. I'll be honest, I'm paraphrasing both this and what he said when he got out of the car. My mind was still racing, trying to get out of the sand dune it felt stuck in. I've water. Something... stiffer? Above the fridge, glasses are in the cabinet to the right. He went and got the whiskey and two glasses. As he poured mine, I asked, Be honest with me, James. Is stuff... alive? His pouring stopped for a moment and then continued. He fixed his own glass, slid me mine, and drank half his glass in a single gulp. I may have been paraphrasing before, but I recall these moments in vivid detail. That's a complicated question, John. Simplify it. I leaned forward, pressing my jaw into my hand and resting my arm on the table. A terrible, silent moment passed between us as James stared into my eyes. The question of, is she alive, can't really be answered yet. I don't honestly know. But the question of if we can find her should be more important right now. He drank the rest of his glass and poured another. This thing is different, and far rarer than other creatures I've hunted. Cryptids, monsters, even aliens once or twice. I can find those, read their patterns, understand their origins... I haven't ever been able to find anything out about this creature besides its clothes and its existence. It's 
always different, except one thing. The way it moves. I was hanging on his every word, but he stopped his monologue short. He glanced at me. The drink and the hours-old pizza left rotting on the coffee table, and sighed. John, you need to get some rest. We can discuss this in the morning, but for now, you need to sleep. Show me where the wallet is, and go to bed. Go to sleep? My blood began to boil as I lowered my hands from my face. How can I rest, knowing my Stephanie is out there with some... some... thing... I don't need to rest. I need answers. Sure, you may have told me a short monologue about yourself, but besides telling me you know it exists, you said practically nothing. I was now standing and facing the man who was supposed to be helping me. He took another calm sip from his glass and set the drink down, looking up at me like a disappointed parent. The fact that you're acting out so quickly shows that you're tired. You won't be any use to me exhausted. I need you alert and prepared. Please, get some rest and trust me. My blood began to cool. He's right, I thought to myself. I nodded to the man and then turned my gaze to my feet. The wallet's in the bedroom down the hall. It's next to the computer. James nodded and stood from his place at the table and walked to stand next to me. He handed me the whiskey and patted me on the shoulder. Get some rest, John. We'll figure out if the wallet is safe or not. Tomorrow, we'll begin looking. I woke up the next morning to a loud thunderclap. I walked into the living room, where James was staring at one of his notebooks. A look over his shoulder revealed he had cataloged the wallet's contents, and was trying to figure out why they were significant. It wasn't until I had sat next to him that he noticed I was awake. Hey, John. How you feeling this morning? He asked, still staring at his drawings. Ready for answers, I said bluntly. I've been examining this wallet, trying to figure out why he left it. None of the cards inside it make sense, though. There's an ID, but the name and face has been scratched out. The address is a set of coordinates that lead to somewhere in the woods, and the rest of the ID has been ruined for the most part. There's also a business card, but I can't figure out what language it's written in. Lastly, there's a set of coins. I've never seen these coins before, so I don't really understand the significance of them. He stared at the wallet thoughtfully, and then shook his head. Wait, so why don't you want me to touch it? I looked to the wallet and began to reach for it. James' hand shot out and grabbed my wrist his face portraying a look of deadly seriousness. I didn't touch it either. The wallet is a link to the creature. Touching it is permission for the creature to come back and collect it, and whoever touched it. I used tweezers and a grabber to hold it. I have a few questions myself, if you don't mind. I shook my head and shrugged, and he let go of my wrist. How did you make contact with Mr. Polo Shirt? I was on a website called Map Crunch, and he just sort of appeared. He followed the camera shots until he eventually made it to our house. So, why did he take Steph instead of you, if you were the one directing the camera? He said, mostly to himself, but I felt obliged to correct him. Actually, 
Steph was the last person to hit the button to move the camera. His face went from puzzled to clear, like what I had said had just clicked. John, I don't think Mr. Polo Shirt wanted Steph. I think it wanted you. But the fact that she was the one who invited him confused it, and it decided to take her to get to you. That would be why it left its wallet in clear view of you. It wanted you to pick it up, and to invite it to come back and get it. To come back and get you. So right now he can't take me? I don't think so. But honestly, I don't really know. We sat for a moment in silence until he stood from his seat. Right, well, I know someone who may be able to help us with these business cards. Are you going to come with me? Yeah, of course. I reached for my wallet and keys, but James cleared his throat to stop me. John, if you're coming with me, I'm going to have to ask you to bathe, please. I paused my movements as reality set in. Begrudgingly, I set my things back on the table and went and retrieved a change of clothes. As I began bathing, I began to think harder about the situation with the police and what exactly I needed to do to prove my innocence. All I have to do is tell them to look at the security cameras in the hotel and ask my Uber Eats driver. I allowed myself to relax under the hot water for about 30 minutes before returning to James clothed and ready to go. I found him sitting in his car with it on, waiting for me. We're going to go meet an old friend of mine. His name is Paul. He can find any language as long as it was spoken by a man, and even some that weren't. We pulled off and started for Paul, finally going to get some answers. The drive to Paul's was slow. Sure, maybe it was my hyperfixation on every decrease in speed, every red light, even every turn we took, but it felt as though the world moved through a dense jelly. My mind fogged over after a while and I began to look out into the distance, into the landscape of my own mind. So much had happened recently. Too much. I began to cry. I didn't weep or sob or anything like that, but I could feel wet tears sliding down my face in silence. The silence that held until I began to hear the echo of what must have been a human language ring through the jelly that was my reality. John. John. We're here, John. Wake up. James pushed my shoulder hard until I returned to the land of the comprehending. Oh, sorry, I'm back. We got out and stood in front of a white house, small but nice. The door opened and an Asian man poked his head around the corner of the threshold. A smile spread from his lips as he saw James. Jamie boy, how have you been? He opened the door all the way, but walked out and met us at the edge of his yard in the driveway. The men embraced in a hug and laughed. Oh, just fine, Paul. Oh, this is John, the guy I told you about? He held his hand out towards me, and Paul walked towards me, an understanding and sad look on his face. Hello. My name is Paul. I'm so sorry about your girlfriend. If I can help, I absolutely will. I clasped his hand in mine and attempted a smile. Thanks, Paul. That means a lot to me. After our introduction, Paul began walking to his house, leaving me and James to catch up. As we began walking towards the door, 
James caught me up to speed on Paul. Paul is a linguist. His family came here from Korea. His grandparents came to America, and he eventually went to college for language. I met him as a teenager in high school. Weirdly small world sometimes. I stood in the living room as James followed Paul into the kitchen. My usual awkward, nervous glancing around the house began, and I soaked in the inside of the home, but not really retaining any of it. Eventually, I got bored and began to stare off into space again. But before my reality could be muddled, James walked in with Paul and sat on the couch. This is the card, James said, passing Paul the black business card that was inside his Ziploc bag. Paul went to the recliner in the corner of the room and sat down, putting on a set of reading glasses and focusing on the card in his grasp. The language is Manchu, an old Chinese tongue that has become mostly dead in today's world. Most strange indeed. There's no real direct translation, but the closest thing this gets to is... Give me just a minute. He set the card down and left for a moment, returning with a notebook that cracked along the spine. After flipping to a page inside the book, he spoke again. Ah, yes, it's a set of numbers. After a moment of writing, checking, and writing again, he looked up to the two of us. 60.65 negative 173.08. Coordinates, maybe? Is this creature smart enough to use coordinates? And if it is, how do I know which map it's using? We sat in silence for a moment until James turned his head to me. John, you found it using your phone's GPS, right? It also found you by dialing in on your computer somehow. By also using Google Maps from that website, right? I nodded, seeing where he was going with this. Yeah, it can use maps just fine, specifically one that we know of. He brought his phone out and began working away on it. He eventually looked up at me and Paul. Hall Island, off the coast of Anchorage. The room sat silent for a moment until Paul spoke again. That isn't all the card said. It gave a date, three days from now. I looked to James, who sat, chin resting on his knuckles. Tension laid heavy over our trio like a thick blanket. I couldn't think of what to do next. We must go, was my first thought. But, and then, and then what, was my own argument. As long as we don't know what it is, or any weaknesses, or even what it's really called, I can't recommend we go after it. James stared at the floor solemnly. My heart sank. I knew this to be true, but hearing it out loud made my thoughts real. Anger entered my stomach, but despair and hopelessness drowned any anger I'd had. I know someone who might know something. Paul stood up and took his phone out. Moments later, he was talking to a new person on the other end of the line. Tom, hey, it's me, Paul. Yeah, I'm doing great, thanks. I hate to cut past the niceties, but I need to ask you a favor. Can we talk in person? Oh. Oh. Oh, okay. No, it's fine. I understand. There was a pause as the glimmer of hope that shone through my pit began to fade. Yeah, I can ask you through the phone. Hang on, let me put you on speaker. Hello? Yo, I'm here. Tom's voice sounded roughly the same age as James and Paul. 
and I saw James grimace. I need your help with something. There's a monster that... James is there, isn't he? Tom cut off Paul, and Paul's face dropped slightly. He looked at James, who was standing now, staring at the floor. Yeah, yeah, James is here, Paul replied hesitantly. There was an audible sigh, and then Paul continued. There's a monster that stands backward, and... Tom cut off Paul again. Remind me why I should be helping James? That scumbag can go figure it out on his own. Shocked, I looked to James. His face portrayed one of reserved anger and guilt. If it weren't for... You know the story. So does he. I'm sorry, Paul, but James can go screw himself for all I care. Tom, don't be unreasonable. Paul tried to retort, but Tom spoke again. No, Paul, I'm being perfectly reasonable. His anger rose steadily through the receiver, causing the phone to crackle. Maybe if the big, bad, ghost detective listened to me, my brother would still be around. Now, he's not just dead, Paul. He's trapped in Satan's literal clutches. Now would you tell me just how reasonable I need to be? There was silence. I looked from Paul to James, both looking as though something heavy rested upon their shoulders. Tom, I asked, breaking the silence. James and Paul snapped their heads in my direction, eyes wide. What? Who's that? Paul walked closer to me but didn't introduce me. My name is John. Some creature took my girlfriend and I'm being framed for her murder. I don't know what happened with you and James, but please, please help me. I need her, and I don't know what to do. I sounded more pathetic than I meant to, and would have felt shame if the situation were any different. However, in light of everything, I felt nothing but helplessness. With a sigh, Tom spoke. I'm... I'm sorry, John. I don't know. Yes, of course. Describe what you're up against, and tell me what's happened. I told him everything. The website, the weird thing we thought was a prank, everything from then until now. He listened patiently as I held back tears. He listened patiently when my tears flowed as well. It felt like seconds, but a check of the clock when I was done had shown that I had talked for nearly an hour. A backwards-facing creature that is able to move either hundreds of thousands of miles a second. This sounds familiar. I believe me and James heard wind of it once. I don't know much about the creature itself, but you said that it gave you a business card? Yes. It was in Manchu Chinese, Paul finally said. This changes things. This monster may not have a name... This may not even be an isolated event. Not everything has an exact explanation. Some things simply cannot be explained. But knowing the culture of the area it originates from can help. China can be a superstitious place and has customs and traditions that predate the modern history by centuries. A black card with white letters? White is the unluckiest color in Chinese superstition. It's meant to represent death or loss. Black is also unlucky as it represents secrecy and darkness. Regrettably, I can't tell you much more than that. 
What I can tell you is to protect yourself with Chinese numbers and colors. Red and yellow are the colors of luck, and eight is the luckiest number. Also, peach wood is a type of wood they use to repel ghosts. Other than that, I would say European protections may also help. Iron, silver, prayers, holy symbols. Even though I cannot in good knowledge suggest you go to this creature, I also know that I cannot stop you. Do with this knowledge what you will, John, and James, you'd better go with him. Be a good man for once. I wish you luck. Goodbye. With that, the phone line beep a hang-up tone, and that was it. The room was silent for a long moment. I looked to James, who looked up to me, set his jaw, and smirked. Well, John, let's go get your girlfriend back. And that, listeners, was the update from John on his adventure to get his girlfriend back. I really hope you make it, John. I hope you find Seth. And I hope afterwards you let us know what happened. Good luck. And that's all we have time for today. So until next time, stay spooky. And remember, sometimes it's more than just a story.